from the beginning of your uh, uh, aspirational journey, you're saying, what is this? What is life? Who is God? Is there God? You're all asking all those deep questions. Actually, from the very beginning, it all starts in the friendship. And actually, if you actually land up in some kind of a guru-disciple relationship with a, a genuine guru, which means it's some genuine Dharma teacher, it's 100% based on friendship. 100%. It's not like some guy sitting up on a throne and you're sitting down on the floor and there's some big distance, you know, just toss that out of your mind. That's, that's, that's not what's really going on. That's what you might see, but that's a big illusion. It's a big illusion. Uh, Dharmic friendships don't last one birth. They last long, long, long time. Long, long time. Many, 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 many births. But before you even start a dharmic relationship or a dharmic friendship, you have to figure out what is friendship. <laughs> you know, you have to you have to come to some kind of a reasonable, intelligent uh, uh, definition. These are dharma teachers and these yogis uh, uh, tell you to sit and be still. So you can know God. That's like a really big statement. But there's a lot of truth that becomes that that's like saying the top of Mount Everest. Well what about the base? We all start at the base of Everest and we work our way up. All this sit and be still is giving you Ram Krishna, Ram Krishna. Is 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 giving you the opportunity to become a friend with yourself. You know? If, if you're not comfortable or good with yourself, how much do you have to offer, even to your neighbor or to your colleague? Not a whole lot. You're uncomfortable in your own skin. So if, if that doesn't make any sense. And then you have to say, well, I'm this basket called a human being. What's in the basket? What do I have of value to offer to my neighbor? See? So again... This sit and be still gives you an opportunity to collect yourself and, and, to, and to see what's in the basket. You know, you, you might be offering fruit that is well past its due date. <laughs> so maybe it should be put into the garden or turned into wine or something, but not offered in its present condition. So, when you sit... You'll, you'll discover all things, um, uh, uh, some pleasant, some unpleasant, some neutral. Uh, often, um, when we're, we're, we're offering friendship, we just sort of offer the basket, and it's, it's sort of like a whatever gift. <laughs> you know, it's, it's sort of a surprise. <laughs> there could be raisins, and there could be pythons, you, you don't know. <laughs> As we're... From the, from the yoga culture, we, we want to uh, uh, become more refined and offer something of value. See? So that 
whomever we come in contact with, it's an enriching experience. So we're talking about you now when you put your foot on the yogic journey. If you're, which means ascent into, into the truest, into your truest, fullest self. Now, if you're just sort of a common human being, mother, brother, sister, friend, when you're, when you're offering something, you're offering, you're often off, offering, I'm going to make you a business deal. You like me, I like you. <laughs> you love me, I'll love you. That's sort of a business deal. Not a yogic deal. A yogic deal is much more like in early America when we were crossing America or crossing the various uh, countries and things were very natural and you came to a stream and you were thirsty. You bent down and you slacked your thirst. At no time did the river jump up and say, here's the bill. It never tried to do business with you. It offered itself as it is, and it was enriching. You know, you, you never got a bill for your, your next breath of air. It offered it. It was enriching. If you look at nature, you'll find what is truly in yogic culture. It, what it gives you, it gives you for your welfare, for your expansion, for your vitality, for your deepest welfare. See? <laughs> as opposed to doing business. I like you, you'll like me, you know. You gotta quit with that. <laughs> it's unfortunate. It's really, really unfortunate. In um, yoga, they discuss our friendship as a true friend is a person who celebrates, who supports and celebrates your greatest qualities who supports and celebrates your greatest qualities. That's it, full stop. They see something really good in you, or multiple qualities that are really good in you, and they say, you know what? Whatever I can do to support that, I'm going to do it. And not only that, I'm going to tell everybody about it. This guy is great. <laughs> this lady is great. She's got some really good qualities. You know, I'm going to make sure people know that you have these wonderful qualities in you. That's starting real yoga. That in, in our friendship, you're not asking for anything. You're not looking for anything. You simply are supporting and celebrating. Just like if we take a walk uh, through the woods and we come across this fantastic mountain. Now, some people want to clear-cut it. <laughs> we don't want that. We want the, it, it to be happy, natural, as it was. So we support that mountain so that it, it maintains its pristine beauty. And we celebrate it. So we, it, we have to try to find that in other people, be, other people. Often a regular human being, because they're not particularly very ref, self-reflective, can't see what the wonder that's in them, what's really, really fantastic. You know, it's just like a, a rose bush. Who, who concentrates on the thorn? You concentrate on the rose and the, and the fragrance. 
See? Humans are like that. They're like a rose bush. You know, be careful of the thorns, but enjoy the, enjoy the, the petals. So, as we, as we grow into yoga, we know that everybody has come up out of the muck and mire. So this, this lots of thorns. That, that's that's not that's not difficult to find. But let's let's find the petals in them and celebrate that. You know? If we can uh, concentrate on what's truly positive in people, that becomes magnified. Because whatever you put attention on becomes magnified. Mm-hmm. In the positive and in the negative. If you say, that's a thorny person, that's a thorny person, that's, well, your whole relationship with them is thorny. <laughs> but if you, if you see the bloom, that becomes your relationship. See? So, we have to get this uh, habit of seeing the whole condition. You know, you don't ignore the uh, thorns but see the whole condition and emphasize the bloom, see? Because if I keep saying, oh, you're irritating, you're irritating, and then you start saying, yeah, I think I am irritating, you know? You, you, you'll, you'll be emphasizing what's not particularly of value, see? Something that could be released, washed off, you know? All, all of us have come out of the, sort of the, uh, confusing mud of life, you know, lack of clarity, you know, all things put together in a, in a sort of a cacophony of activity, but not uh, a purified strain. As you go up the ladder in this yogic methodology, you're becoming more and more one thing. In the beginning, we're a a very complex alloy. Later on, you're more like pure gold or a pure diamond. You know, you know, come. You know, we have to all appreciate the, the human process um, th- that we move from this, uh, you know, piece of coal to this to this diamond. That's, that's, that's the human process, you know, that through time and circumstance, we purify, we purify, we purify. Then the yogis wants to get particular ideas into your head that have to percolate, you have to brew, you have to work on. And one of those ideas, Ramakrishna, is to become a... a a friend to all. That's actually a revolutionary idea to say you want to be a friend to all. One, it's often completely novel. What do you mean, friend to all? And then, how do you do that? How do you become a friend to all? The other side of friend to all means no enemies also. That's the other side of the coin when you determine to be a friend to all, who's your enemy? Even if someone doesn't like you, it doesn't mean you're, they're your enemy. They, they may not have particular fond feelings towards you, 
but you can still have fond feelings towards them. See? If you look at uh, Gautama Buddha or Jesus Christ or Sri Krishna, who was their enemy? They didn't have any enemies. <laughs> or, or, or even a contemporary like a Gandhi. You know? Or, or a Saint Francis or any of the great saints. Who was their enemy? They didn't have any enemies. They, they were a friend to all. The way they became a, a friend to all was by having a profound <coughs> self-knowledge. A profound self-knowledge. If we can see ourselves as, as just sort of a point in reality, then any other point in reality is the other. <laughs> so if we see ourselves as I am John, I am Susie, and we emphasize just that, then anything outside of John and Susie is other. There's like an inherent little rift there. But, and that's saying you're really thinking, this is who I am, this is who I am, this is who I am. The, the yogis want you to soften your sense of uh, external self and more emphasize the deeper inner qualities you know, as opposed to being a noun now you start to become more of a verb you know, a, a function in life, an action in life to, 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 to re-identify with your, your life force see? So if you're re-identifying with your life force, so you're sitting in meditation, you're practicing prayer, you're practicing mantra, all of these things, uh, mantra, prayer, meditation, help you to spiral into what you are. Not to what you think you are, but what you are. Just like a, a scientist uh, has a specimen brought into the lab, and they say, analyze it, figure out what it is. In the beginning you think, well, it may be this, it may be that. But you don't know. It's only once you start doing your real experiments do you find out really what is this you know, specimen. What is it? For sure, you know. Before that, you were speculating. It could be a lot of things. Well, let's start here. Let's start there. Same thing in, in, in this uh, traveling through life. By doing these practices, you start to say, what am I? Not who am I. What am I? That's a much more important question than who am I? What am I? And then as you start to do these practices, and then you say, ah, oh, this force is there, this force is there, this quality is there, this nature is there, and then you see the rise and fall, rise and fall, rise and fall. And then with persistence, you say, okay, I've seen all these millions of things rise and fall. What is the persistent quality? What's persistent? See, as you do these and come into deep meditation, you start to find things that are persistent, not things that are rising and falling, coming and going. If it came and went, it couldn't have been really real. It was temporal. It was a temporal condition. What's really real is what you are. <laughs> See, it's what you are. So these practices of prayer, mantra meditation, bring you to uh, the process of revelation, a process of self-discovery as to what you really, really, really are, 
not what you think you are, not what your society says you are, what not what's you know, all of that is moot. As you can start coming to what you really are, and you start to uh, have the divine revelation of self-knowledge, then you said you ask yourself a question: Is this unique? And as you as you go through this process of self-discovery, as per what you are, then you say, if it's not unique, where else is it? And then you start discovering it, that, it's, that what is in you, that is stable, is in everybody else. But you never addressed it before. You, you were addressing this sort of creative uniqueness, but you were not ever addressing their fundamental reality, their fundamental self. The reason a yogi can be a friend to all is because what he finds here in his heart, he knows is there in your heart. And that's the relationship that they want. You know, everything else about you is completely volatile. You know, you're not the same person when you were seven as when you were 17, as when you were 27, as when you were 37. You're completely different. You're constantly changing. At one time, you're a child. Another time, you're uh, a wife. Another time, you've, you're a grand, you know, you have grandchildren. You know, in each, each of these periods of life, you're different. You're not the same. But hidden within every human being is a, a massive volume of precious experiences, uh, precious realities that are actually stable. They're stable. But by and large, untouched. <laughs> untouched, by and large. We sort of get the, the scent but we don't get to hold the pedals. See? The, the reason we, we, we try to create beauty uh, of, of any form, the, the, whether, whether through the arts or whether through the sciences, all of those are forms of uh, insight and beauty. That's actually close to the inner nature of a, of a human being. That we want to understand what is, and we want things beautiful. That's why, no, no matter what culture, there's art, there's craft. No matter what culture, people are trying to figure things out. That is far closer to your deeper inner self, inner reality. You know, pure knowledge, pure vision, and pure creative beauty. <coughs> But the question is, do you experience that in an alloyed state or an unalloyed state? See? A mixed state or a pure state? As a, as a human being and an early yogis, it's a highly, highly, highly mixed state. You know? The deeper you go into yoga, it's a far, far purer state. So you could be like a Gandhi or a Jesus and be a friend to all have no enemies. I mean, Gandhi managed to evict an entire nation from his nation and demanded that not only do they leave, but they leave as friends. What an extraordinary, you know, accomplishment, you know, to, to have your, you know, oppressors leave 
who has every financial interest in staying, <laughs> to leave. And not only to leave, but leave as a friend. Now that's extraordinary. That's really something to, you know, can you imagine? <laughs> but it's doable. You know, a lot of times people think about Gandhi sort of as a political slash social figure. But first and foremost, he was a yogi. Everything he did, everything he got done was done through yoga. You know, his first two or three hours every morning was, was spent in prayer and meditation. You know, he was, he was getting his marching orders. He came in, he sat, and he knew. He knew the next step. In the yogic process, you're not figuring things out. It's, that's, it doesn't work like that. What you're doing is um, allowing the intuitive process to open up. The intuitive process is, a, is another sense. Just like we can see, we can taste, we can smell various senses. The intuitive uh, knowledge is just a higher sense within the human condition. Often in the West when we say in, in, in intuition, that's sort of like a hunch or a guess, and hmm, I sort of feel this way, I think this is what's going to happen. That's how we think of it. In the yogic sense, it's not like that at all. In the yogic sense, it's a, it's a living faculty. It's a faculty of knowing. It's a, it's a solar faculty that you can simply acquire through the deep process of, of, of meditation. You acquire the faculty of knowing. Whatever you put your mind on, the, the knowledge presents itself. You don't have to figure it out. It presents itself. So with Gandhi, he knew each step to take, each direction to do, by entering into the, his silence and acquiring direct knowledge. And then he'd come out and take the next step. He didn't, he didn't figure it out. It was all, you can say divine inspiration, but another way of saying it is pure intuition. Pure intuition. Of which we all have. It's, it's there. It's just buried. <laughs> you know, underutilized. Often, we're not aware that it's present. So, if, if you don't know you have the faculty, will you ever look for it? No. You look for what you think is out there. You don't look for what you don't know about. You don't know you don't know. So you don't look. So the yogis are there to say that there's a plethora of facilities and faculties of realities that are there that need to be made public and made known. And there's, there's always very practical ways of doing it. Yoga is, is, is not an airy-fairy thing. Yoga is a real mental science. It's a real science with real parameters. And uh, whatever can be experienced once can be reproduced. It's, it's not like, oh, I got lucky. It's not like that. If you can do it once, you can do it 10,000 times. So, the, the preposition of becoming a universal friend is something that we have to think about. You know, can I do that? And then, do I want to do that? <laughs> you know, you might not want it, which is okay. It's okay. But if you do this practice of self-inquiry, um, the proposition of uh, being a universal friend does come up. Where 
your existence starts to become qualified by a sense of deep concern for the welfare of all. Not a casual concern, a, a very deep concern. And then it's a matter of how you as an individual can creatively and intelligently make that manifest. It would be nice to live in the world where there's no enemies, yeah. where that you're a friend to all. But it has to start with each, each individual getting that concept that I am a friend to all. And then, how do I become a friend to all? See? The friendship to all starts first with the friendship to your own, your own self. So if you think your nose is too big, or your hips are too wide, or your teeth are not wide enough, please get over that. <laughs> it's, it's unfortunately useless. <laughs> you know? Be quiet. And find... You have to understand that God created one in all of us. So, if you can't find some beauty, it means you're not looking. See? So, say, okay. Some wonderful reality. You can say God, you can say source, you can say Allah, you can say any nomenclature you want to say whatever created all this. Well, all this kind of complexity, all this kind of facility, well, something wonderful had to create that. You know, I couldn't have done it. Something wonderful had to do that. So, if something wonderful created me, and I don't know what it exactly is, but I know something wonderful did all this, so, okay, let me see what's wonderful. And then hold on to that creative wonderfulness. Okay? Start, start sharing that. You know, if my nose is this and my hips are that, well, something wonderful sort of wanted that. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm part of the puzzle in this cosmic world of, you know, put together. Okay, I'm, I can be good with that. See? Starts a little bit of self-acceptance. You know? You know, if, if you're all the same. I mean, did God make one flower or one tree? No, he made infinite varieties. So just the human condition is the same thing. It's infinite variety. And it all fits. It all works. It's all beautiful. You know? When, when, when God looks down, he doesn't say, oh, that person's ugly. I, you think God ever thought that? <laughs> I don't think so. You know, each one was a part of the process. You know, moving through its existence. Each one ha has its place. You know? <clears throat> Even if you look at the word ugly, ugly is, is, is a, a conventional word, but really ugly is, means unknown and unexamined. That's really what it means, unknown and unexamined. It means... It's foreign to you, so there's a little bit of fear, and that little bit of fear distorts your mind, and then you call it ugly. You know, like if you look at a spider, in the beginning, it's got all these eyes and a little bit of hair and all these legs, sort of, sort of creepy. <laughs> but if you spend time with it, say, oh, you know what? I never realized the quality of the hair on that thing is, is like a velvet. That's, that's sort of interesting. And, you know, there's a certain amount of utility to having all those legs. They can climb a wall, and I can't. 
So all of a sudden you're becoming familiar with it. Now as you become familiar with it, the ugly factor starts to shrink. <laughs> See? When you get really familiar with it, you say, what a wonderful creature. I had no understanding of the beauty of it. See? The ugly disappeared. <laughs> See? See? Ugly is unknown, unexamined. See? So if we're, if we're unknown and unexamined to ourselves, oh, I'm a little ugly here, I'm a little ugly there. See? It means unknown, unexamined. <laughs> you haven't looked, you haven't, you haven't spent time with yourself, really with yourself. <clears throat> a lot of times you're spending time with what you think other people think of you. So that's what you're spending time with. As opposed to spending time really, really with yourself to find out what the rhythms of God are in you. See? <clears throat> then you say, oh, 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 you have that experience. You know, not so ugly anymore. <laughs> Once you spend real time with yourself, not what you think other people think. And that's what you're concentrating on. So, this yoga process is to, even, even something as the elementary science of Hatha Yoga, you're doing all this bending, you're all stretching and all this kind of stuff. By doing all that bending and stretching, what you're doing is simply becoming more natural, just like when you were a baby. And then, all of a sudden you say, gee, I sort of feel great. I sort of have vitality. I sort of feel wonderful. See? The wonderful was there. You just didn't spend time to bring it out. <laughs> See? You were getting hardened and armored up by the, the, the blows of life and concentrating on that. But the Hatha Yoga made you concentrate on all the natural processes of movement. <clears throat> See? All the, all the expansions and contractions that are natural to you. And then all of a sudden, hey, I sort of feel wonderful. See? That's just on a physical level. So what about the emotional level, the mental level? See? Hatha Yoga made you examine physically what all your capacities were. See? And exercise your capacities. And then you came out feeling wonderful. See? Ah, I feel great. That became your experience. You started, it forced you to examine what you are on a physical level and all of your capacities. And then you start to feel wonderful. So the higher yogas make you look into the nature of your heart, make look into the nature of your psyche. See? You start to feel wonderful. There's no depressed yogis. <laughs> they, they want you to share, to, dis to discover what's wonderful in you and to share it. And to be sensitive enough to experience what's wonderful in everybody else. See? Now, as you enter this process of, hey, there's something pretty good going on here, and there's something pretty good going on there, then a loving, creative, intelligent friendship can start to bloom. Now, you've got something to offer that's wonderful. And you see something out there that's, that's wonderful, that's worth supporting and, and celebrating. There you start to have friendship, <laughs> real friendship. It's not a volatile friendship, you know, that comes and goes and constantly changing. And uh, today I sort of feel good to you and tomorrow, yeah, I don't know, you're a bit of a headache. No, it's not like that at all. You know? 
If I, if I see Matthew over there today, I'm happy to see him. And if I don't see him for 12 years, the next time he shows his face, I'm ready to have a party. <laughs> hey, Matthew's back. Matthew's in the house. It's time to have some. Let's go to dinner. You know, you know let's take a great walk. You know, there, there's no like loss of time, sense of missing. It's like, great. That's what you feel. Great. You know, this something wonderful has just walked back in the room. See? So you're, you have this sense of fun and celebration, you know, because you saw it, wow, something wonderful just came back, you know. It was wandering somewhere, I don't know where, but now it's back, yes. See, that's how we feel. That's, that's real friendship, real friendship. So we, we support and we celebrate. True friendship. Yes. Uh, so Guruji, sometimes the um, having a friendship with oneself and self acceptance takes a while to um, cultivate. And um, so, um, are you saying that we should um, wait for a while before we start cultivating this kind of friendship, um, or is it something that you're doing? It's a work in progress. Mm -hmm. You know, we live in society, so we we we. The key is to understand what real friendship is on an intellectual basis first. Mm -hmm. So that we can start steering our boat. Because all of a sudden if we say, okay guys, don't call me, don't write, no more emails. They'll think you're a nutcase and yet you've gone off the deep end. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? We sort of ease into the yogic life. You know, because no need to ruffle people's feathers. No need. Mm -hmm. You know? But we have to say... We have to ask some very honest questions. Who are my friends? And then ask why. Ask yourself why. You know, do I want to be in that, that social group? Or is that a person who just says, oh, you look wonderful no matter what I wear. They may think you look terrible, but they're going to say you look wonderful. But that's not a friend. That's, that's not real support because you could be going out looking like a buffoon and they're thinking you're, you're saying you look great. A friend doesn't do that to you. You know, a friend's going to give you a heads up. Maybe that's not the thing to wear. You know, they're going to give you a heads up because they're concerned with your welfare. See? So, you have to really look. It's much better to say that most of the people that you associate with are friendly acquaintances. See? Most people you associate with. You know, when you get really, really, really ill, who shows up at your bedside? When, when you're in illness and, in, and in having very unpleasant conditions, who shows up? When you're down to your last nickel, who says, you know what? I'm doing okay right now. I'm going to send you 50 bucks, 100 bucks. You know, is your rent covered? That's your friend. See? That's your friend. So think about it. Narrow it down to when, when you're... When you're going down for your last breath, who swims out to give you a hand? See? That's your friend. See? So we have to look and realize that the bulk of the people that we hang with are, are friendly associates. They're not going to throw your lifeline when you're going down for the third time. They're going to say, gee, he was such a good fellow. <coughs> well, I'll miss him. <laughs> <laughs> 
The lifeline is standing right next to them. They could have tossed it. Mm. But they're thinking, you know what? Now I'll advance to the next position. <laughs> you know? They're not saying next, next, next. You know? They're going to try to support your welfare. Try to lift you. That's your friends. So, you have to be a very uh, uh, insightful to what the nature of your relationships really, really are, you know. And, and, and be okay with the, the volume going down. Yes? Can you talk about um, how like attracts like and how, um, sure. how friendships do change as you progress on your, on your path? Well, it's true that like attracts like. So if you're a, if you're a, a happy, uh, kind, in general, you, uh, you're going to attract people who, who have that same type of quality. You know, just like if you, I drove past a tavern the other day, and you can see all these men in there, you know, just drinking, and all the lights are very dim. Well, like attracts like. I'm not going in there, you know. <laughs> not going to happen unless someone is in need. That's then I'll go in, of course. But other than that, it's not happening because it's not it's not uh, conducive to my personal nature. But uh, it is conducive to every everyone sitting in there is sitting in their comfort zone. Like attracts like, you know. So if you want to get drunk and commiserate, well, there's a darkened tavern for you. But if, if you, you choose other life patterns, um, the coming together will happen, you know. The, the, the truth is, answering your question, uh, real friendships don't really change, you know. You, you identify a body of qualities in a person, positive qualities. And then that is what you make your union with. That is what you connect to. You know, everything else is stuff that's coming and going. Some of it's positive, some of it's not so positive. But, you know, look deeply at the life force and life action of the person. If it is uplifting and it harmonious with you, they naturally will become your friend. And you hold on to that, you know. You know, like if I look at you, Kitty, I, I, I see kindness and creativity. I'll, I'll be your friend forever. And it'll be because I always see the light of kindness <coughs> and creativity. You know, that's sort of a mandala of, of Kitty. You know, she's always kind and she's incredibly creative. You know, <laughs> I'll see that this year and I'll see that 50 years from now. You know? Now that kindness and creativity can become more beautifully complex, but fundamentally it's always kindness and creativity. See? So that's, that becomes a, a stable platform. So everything I do with Giddy, that's our platform. That kindness and that creativity. That's, that's it. <laughs> so you have to identify those things. Those, those are incorruptible things. They don't go away. You know, it, it's part of what she is. Not who she is, what she is. So, if we, we have to constantly look to see, say, what is the verb of this person? What is their living action in the world? What is the most 
uh, positive, important, uh, creative thing that this person is putting out and link to that, link to that. See, that, that becomes the friendship. You don't have to support all the other stuff. And you can tell them, I support what is best in you. All the other stuff I'm not interested in. Be very honest. You know, Some of this other stuff you're doing is not particularly positive. I'm not going to support that. But this I will support. Then you have something. It's an honest friendship. You don't have to say, I love everything about you. Well, why? You know? Why? Not everything about them is that great. But there are some things that are really great. So that becomes the basis of the friendship. And say, look, the other stuff I don't think is so cool. You know, some of that stuff you've got to quit. You know, that's being a real friend. Because you're, 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 you're saying, hey, this other stuff is going to lead you into the gutter. It's not going to help you. It's not going to support what I see is so wonderful. So be honest. So, so you can help them be self-correcting. Not judgmental. Honest. Yes. And what if that's not well received? That's fine. That's fine. They have the. Everyone has the right to jump off their own cliff. It's it's fine. You know, my attitude is God bless you. Good luck. You know, because if if, if you ha if a person uh, is going to is is headstrong into going into some unfortunate crisis, they may need that crisis to learn where not to be. See. So if they do something really crazy, like you're saying, please don't take the drugs. Please don't take the drugs. This is only going to lead you into this. You're such a wonderful person. Sometimes they got to take the drug. Is it good? No, it's not good. Can you give them a heads up? Yeah. But every human being has the right to sovereignty. Okay? And you have to respect that. If they have to bang their head against the wall to figure out the wall is hard... Even though it cracks their skull, unfortunately, that may be what they have to do. Now, can you do everything possible to have them not do that? Yes, as a loving act. You certainly can. But if they're convinced that, the, that their head will pass through the wall, well, maybe they have to hit the head, hit the head in the wall. <laughs> and again, it's like, I wish you well. God bless you. Good luck with that. But you were honest. You were honest. You were, you were a real friend. You gave them a heads up. But you can't live their life. Mm. You can't live their life. <clears throat> now, the wonderful thing as you go into the yogic reality is you start to realize what is truly who they are is incorruptible and will last from birth to birth to birth. Because of our present ignorance, we think, okay, I have my hundred years, that's the full shot, and we're no more after that. Well, that's really nonsense. That's, that's a truly unexamined statement. See? So a lot of times we think, oh, my sister or my brother has passed away due to this unfortunate thing, and I hope that could have saved them. What is, the threat of their reality is still there. Their temporal expression is gone. But it's like, so this is a, basically a Judeo-Christian country. Is Jesus really dead? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. Matter of fact, as a yogist, I'll make a declarative statement. He's immortal. I'll make another declarative statement. <laughs> You're an immortal. You just don't know it. See? You're, 
concentrating on your temporal reality and not your eternal reality. See? If you went deep, 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 deep into meditation, this, this illusion of temporal mortality will be completely dispelled. Completely dispelled. See? But it's because of you're concentrating on a, on a notion and not on a reality. So the notion becomes more real than the reality. See? Unfortunate. Why every sage in every country has said, sit and be still and know thyself. See? They're saying know thyself because you don't know yourself. See? And the way to find it is, is a deep inquiry. An inquiry that is beyond the mind. See? Beyond the mind. Know for sure, anyone that you have loved and has loved you, you'll come back together. That is a fact. No one is ever truly lost. See? They may be residing in another region, but lost, no. Residing someplace else, yes. See? If there's true love, will there be a return to one another? Oh, absolutely. 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 Love finds love. <laughs> Can't separate it. See? But it'll go in and out of phase sometimes. Sometimes you can see them, sometimes you can open. See? But they'll come in and out of phase. You know, part of the suffering of, of life, who amongst us won't have a loved one pass? Any of us immune from that? Mother, brother, sister, friend? We, that, that's part of learning life, the coming and going of life. But as you continue your yogic journey, you'll rediscover those souls over and over and over again. You know, you'll continue your journey together. No one is lost. You know, they may be out of phase with you, but not lost to you. You, you have to understand something. Who amongst us was born alone? Nobody. We were all born in community. Somebody was present when you were born. So that's sort of a functional platform of life. You were born in community. You're going to live in community. And whether you're in phase or out of phase, meaning in a body or out of body, you're still in community. It, 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 it was one of the platforms from your from your inception there was community that's going to go on that that you're you're not going to be separate from anything see you might be out of phase for a time you know but not separate from anything see this is the this is sort of the 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 joy of yoga is that there's a a sense of nothing lost everything gained nothing lost see See? And all that was corruptible, all that was notions, dissolves. All that was stable, all that was real, maintained. See? If you ever loved someone truly, someone truly loved you, it's there. It will not go away. It will not go away. <laughs> you know? The yogis make a, a, a beautiful example of that. Um, I talked about it once before. So we have a, a body, 
that heaven has provided for us. But this is a visual. This is a visual on how yogis think about um, life, death, and loving association. So heaven gives us this, this body. This is a lovely body. And within that body is ash. See? And what is our bodies made up of but this ash? See? And in that ash is a pearl. A pearl of loving consciousness. And this is part of the contemplation that yogis are quite often do. And a lot of times they'll have something like this in their shrine. And it's a, a tool of remembrance. And what they say to themselves as they look at this um, vessel with ash and with a pearl in it, they say to themselves, coming and going, coming and going. Naught but love exists. See? Naught but love persists. See? Coming and going, coming and going. Naught but love uh, persists. See? And when we look into this, this pearl represents our mother, our brother, our sister, our loving friend who's gone on. See? They're sitting in a, a, a bed of ash, but that pearl, the pearl of their reality, the pearl of their soul, the pearl of their present, the pearl of their consciousness persists. See? So this is a, a, a visual tool to remember a reality. Because everybody's saying, oh, they're gone, they're gone, they're gone. <clears throat> well, the corpuscle body, that ash, the body has returned to ash. But what was essential, what was primal, what was, what was pure, what was true about them persists. Naught but love persists. And, and that is really an accurate way of, of having, maintaining our understanding of our friends who have gone beyond now. See? So the body is ash. Were you a friend with the body or were you a friend with the being? <laughs> See? Maintain your friendship with the being. The body is corruptible. It's going to go. But your friendship with that soul, with that reality, that persists. And that, that, that is an expression of love. That unity, that community is a visceral expression of love. So we hold on to that. And for all of us, oh, my father's gone, my mother's gone, my sister's gone. Just drop another pearl, drop another pearl, drop another pearl. See? It's okay. They just change physically phase. But what is real, what you love, what you have a relationship, is, is, is current. It hasn't gone away. See? It hasn't gone away. Eventually, your pearl will be dropped in there. <laughs> you know? So, we have, to, we have to think about those things. It's this, this, 
the, the, the notion of death is really a, an illusion, a very convincing illusion, but uh, it's, not, it's not really, really real. It's, we think it's real. It's, it's not really, really real. So, this, uh, what you are is persistent. What you are is incorruptible. What you create is corruptible. What you are is incorruptible. See? So all of your thoughts, all of your feelings, all of your notions, that stuff is coming and going. But what you essentially are is not coming and going at all. It's, it's persistent. See? It's not only persistent, it's unitive. It's unitive with every other act of beauty, every other act of love, all in communion. That's, that's why I often say, there's no such thing as a real yogi being alone. It is not possible. Not possible. For a, a regular human being who lives as just a point in reality, well, you can be lonely. But in the revelation of, of, of yoga, no such thing as loneliness. Not at all. There's only a sense of, of communion. Communion and community. And your community gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And in, in the beginning, like we think, oh, my community is my faith group or my social group or my political group, my country. But in, in your journey in yoga, your your community expands to all of life. You know, not, not all of human beings, but you become very concerned with the welfare of animals. You become very concerned with the nature of the earth. Because they become part of your living community, not as like inanimate things, but just but just brothers and sisters in different form. You know, the, the trees and the grass and the sky and the mountain really do become brothers and sisters in distant in, in, in different forms. Your your, your sense of family uh, changes. See? You, you, because you're thinking, oh, I'm in a human body, so my family is other human beings. Again, that's a notion. It's just a notion. You're, you're limiting your, you're limiting what you think you are. That's why I say you, you have to know what you are. If, if you start to discover what you are, your sense of family gets a whole lot bigger. A whole lot bigger. You know, the, don't think that the tree out there and the grass out there is, are, are ignorant, inanimate objects. They're not. Their, their life forms expressing themselves at their own level of reality. See? So if they're life and I'm life, how are they not related? See? It's that we might have ignored them, we not, may not have appreciated them, but if that God made that and that God made this, I think we're related. I think we're related. And if we're related, why don't we make friends? See? Why don't we become friends? So the, the yogi becomes a friend to the earth, and a friend to the sky, and a friend to the river, and a friend to the animals. That, that sense of universal friendship is an expansion, an expansion, an expansion. So there's a story about this in a way. <laughs> some, some yogi is sitting up in a cave, and he's up there for 25 years, and no one's going to see him. He's, but then some people hear about the yogi, and say, let's go up and visit him. He must be very lonely. 
Up in that cave for 25 years, no one has visited, let's go. And so they go, oh, Guruji, Guruji, we've come to see you. We hear that you've been alone for 25 years meditating in the cave. You must be so lonely. We feel so bad. And the yogi says, well, I didn't feel alone until you arrived. <laughs> it's their discordant mind broke his sense of unity. <laughs> he was communing with the old universe. But then they said, me and you and I and thou. Oh my God. <laughs> That's, that, that's how it is. So, your, your sense of, as you go into, into uh, your yoga practices, the nature of your friendship changes. Where you, you're not always having to hug and saying, I love you. Often that's very faux, unfortunately. It's just you look deeply and your heart, your heart bursts with happiness. Because you look deeply and say, that is wonderful, you know, that is wonderful, that is wonderful, see? So the yogi is joyous because he's looking past the temporal into the more stable and saying, that is wonderful. So that's how the yogis see you. They see you as that is wonderful. They, when you walk through the door, they really, really are happy to see you. It's not faux, it's real. They're happy to see you because God just sent something wonderful through. So that, that's, that's the, the, the habit that you get, see, because you're looking deeper. And as you go th deeper and deeper into this yogic process, as I said earlier, that this whole thing about, you know, learning from some Dharma men mentor, it's truly, truly, truly based on friendship, where you have to spend a lot of time with the teacher. You know, coming and going, visiting, you know, calling, showing up, spending idle time. Not all time is okay, we're just going to talk to our own, you know, that's not necessary. It's more about just being with each other, loving each other, respecting each other. You know what? An ashram is anywhere a Dharma teacher lives. That's an ashram. Anywhere a Dharma teacher lives is an ashram. An ashram is a place of sharing deep knowledge of life. That's what it is. So this is an ashram. So it doesn't have to be a fancy hall. All that's not necessary. If you look at the history of India, you had saints and sages and yogis living in the villages all over the place. You could go by any time and have a cup of tea. You didn't have to sign a registry and make an appointment and... No, the yogi was in the village, you know. Guruji is over there, you know, Sanchi is over there. And you just stopped by and had tea. Shared, shared your problems, shared your life. Tried to understand life together. Very natural, very, very natural. It wasn't, there wasn't appointments, you know, you came by. That's it. That's what we're trying to reestablish and to try to get people to have a, 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 a deeper understanding of, is that these friendships are 
very long-term relationships. So when a, when a person is coming to a, a yogi in the beginning, they're not really much of a fit friend, you know, although God has sent them, so it's, a good, it's something good. The Dharma teacher is a real friend. The, the difference is, is that the Dharma teacher is making a pledge before God to be your friend, meaning someone who supports and celebrates the best in you. You're not coming with that understanding yet. See? You're, you're, you're still trying, trying to figure out what friendship is. The Dharma teacher already understands what friendship is. So they're making a, a commitment to your welfare, regardless of how long it takes. See? Just in any way they can, uh, within the bounds of Dharma, to support your welfare. See? And that can manifest in an infinite amount of, amount of ways. Uh, and then, as you're sp spending time with these teachers, um, you slowly learn the culture of friendship. See? The culture of dharmic friendship. See? You, you learn the culture of the saints. That's why you're with the yogis, is to learn the culture of the saints. See? The saint is someone who, when they look out through their eyes, they see the loving beauty of God. When we as human beings look out through our eyes, you know, it's a real mixture of stuff. You know, a real mixture of stuff. See, that's why we can fight with each other. <laughs> but the saints are not fighting with anybody. <laughs> See? And this whole yoga thing that we're getting into is, is that what we have to do is learn to see through the eyes of the saints. That's what we're trying to do. That's why we study scriptures. That's why we read the biographies of saints. That's why we read the prayers of saints. You know, when you read the prayers of saints, what you're doing is you're studying the worldview of the saint. You're studying the psychology of the saint by reading their prayers. You're seeing how they see the world. And then you look, think to myself, well, I don't see the world that way. And this is how they see the world. Now, how did, then you ask the question, how did they get to that point? How come they see the world that way? See? So then you start to understand the psychology and the methodology of yoga. Why are they seeing the world this way and I'm seeing the world that way? See? That's, that's evolution. When we can slowly move towards seeing the world through the eyes of saints, which were the universal friends. See? They're a friend to all, not just to human beings, to all. They're as much a friend to the river as they're a friend to you. See, they're going to celebrate and support the river just as much as they're going to celebrate and support you. Because what they remember is God made that. <laughs> Whatever it is, God made it. <laughs> so you, there's an inherent uh, respect, and then there's an inherent reverence. See? So the, the premise is a little bit different. Then, oh, this is Johnny Smith, and he works at the auto shop, and now he's got his engineering degree, and, you know... It's different, different. But if you real, if you think about God made that, that gives you a little bit of a pause, and then a certain amount of respect, and then whoa, okay, okay. You don't have to go bow to everybody, but in your heart, you remember God made that. 
You know, in, regardless of the form, God made that. So hidden, with, hidden within that form is a pearl. And the yogi is always looking for the pearl. <laughs> See? He sees the corruptible ash. He sees the vessel. But he's looking for the pearl. See? And the yogi is always going to make a relationship with the pearl. Everything else is just stuff coming and going. So if you're drinking and doing drugs, like, we don't care. We don't care at all. We don't care. Do we want you to, to have the pearl manifest through the whole form? Absolutely. But we realize this is just coming and going. It's not a big deal. It's gonna, it's, it's gonna, it has only so much energy, it's going to play itself out. But we make the relationship with the pearl, see? The, that which is persistent, incorruptible. And we try to magnify that. So that you can realize your your pearl reality, you know, not 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 the dust of, of the human condition. See? So with the with the yogis um, and with the gurujis and the saints and all of these great these souls, <coughs> over time, many 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 births. You're coming and going, coming and going, and you're slowly building a relationship and a friendship, and a trust. So, historically, none of the teachers were sequestered away, hidden away. That's like now, where this, it's sort of, sort of a commercial type of situation. But they were always available. You know, you could always stop by and say, how you doing? You know, or they would stop by your house and say, let's have chai. That's, that's how it always was. It's only in recent history that's, that's peculiar, unhealthy in a way. But it was always a, a communal intimacy between the teachers and, and everybody else, you know? If, if, even if you look at uh, China, you know, and, and think, oh, Confucius, what a great soul. There's thousands of books and written about him. Was he accessible? Absolutely. Absolutely. Anybody in the village could have walked up to him and had a conversation. He wasn't up in the palace. He was walking amongst the people. He's walking village to village, from nation to nation. We think about it from a historical point. Oh, he must have been up in a palace. Somewhere. No, not at all. Not at all. If you look at any of the great saints, they were all accessible. How inaccessible was Jesus? Was he up in a palace somewhere? How inaccessible was the great soul Moses? Was he up in a palace somewhere? I don't think so. Could anybody in his community access him? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what we have to remember. See? They were always accessible. And they were, the reason they were accessible is because of friendship. They want to build a platform of friendship. And then from that, from that friendship comes trust. See? So when the teacher says, okay, sit for a half hour, watch your breath, and then do this particular mantra, and do this particular prayer... You trust them. Otherwise, you say, why? I'm not going to do that. But if, you, if you've built a friendship, and you know that whatever he says, you know for a fact that he is looking out for you, that he is very concerned with your welfare, with your bounty, then you say, well, I don't understand what the heck he's telling me to sit still for, but, but I know that he loves me and he's looking out for me. I'm going to try it. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. See, the trust is there. But that trust was based on friendship. See, otherwise, 
the yogi will tell you, do all these different kinds of meditation. You're thinking, that's so abstract. That can't be real. That can't bring me anything. See? But because of the trust, you do the experiment. You, you give the teacher enough leeway to say, okay, I'll do the experiment and see what happens. And then as those experiences, as those exper uh, experiments give you some fruit, you say, wow, that was great. And then you do a little bit more, and you do a little bit more. And then you're in that process of self-expansion, see? But it came from the trust, and the trust was based on the friendship, see? So in the beginning, if you see a whole bunch of people in a hall with some guruji, every one of those individuals or at different gradations of learning friendship and learning trust. See? Why are some, some souls closer to the teacher and some not? It's just different levels of the friendship that have, de de that have developed. A, a deeper level of, of uh, spiritual intimacy, you know, where there's a truly loving relationship. See? That takes time. Even for a, a common mortal relationship, a love relationship takes time. What about a relationship that's going to go tens of thousands of years? See? The yogi's in no rush. You know? Once he sees you and, and makes a commitment to you, he's making a commitment to you in front of God. For us, there's no wiggle room. There's no back door. <laughs> there's no clause we can get out of the friendship. You know, before God, we say, I'll help. That is it. <laughs> and, and heaven is tough. Heaven will absolutely hold you to it. You can't get out. <laughs> Once you say that pledge, that's it. You know, that's it. And if you forget, heaven will send some yogi to remind you. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. No wiggle room in that deal. So... There becomes that one mind, one heart, one action towards the soul that I'll celebrate, I'll support what's magnificent in you. And I, I pray for your constant expansion, your constant expansion, your constant freedom. They, they want you to be really, really free. They see how you're bound up with this emotion and this, this misnotion and how it's tying you down. And all they want to do is constantly clip away at the different nets that are holding you, that are holding you down, limiting your freedom. See? Once you sit and start to understand the nature of peace and understand the nature of, 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 of expansion, of spaciousness, and then you see within that spaciousness there's a glorious joy. That's what they want for you. That's what they want for you. They don't want you to consider yourself this tiny corpuscle being. See? That's a limited expression of you. That's a limited expression of you. That's not what you are. That's why I say it's more important to try to figure out what you are as opposed to who you are. See? What are you really? See? In, in uh, yoga, sometimes they have some very difficult uh, uh, practices that might sound a little creepy, but it's to, to break your, your notion of what you are, who you are. So you'll see um, um, like if you're a scientist 
Okay, let's take two examples. You're a, a, a fashion queen and you're a scientist. So the fashion queen is always looking for what's beautiful on the outside, what cloth, what skin. But now let's say you're like a, a scientist who has to do an autopsy. When you look at the human body, aren't you seeing it from a completely different eyes? So the yogi wants you to see everything. So all the fancy beauty on the outside, okay, part of expression. But when you're lying on the table and you're, you're cutting open the breastbone and you're exposing the various uh, levels of viscera, that's also as real, as true as all this physical stuff on the outside. The yogi wants you to see the whole package and then to say, am I all those muscle and sinew or I'm just this beautiful outside or am I something more? But he wants you to see the entire package and then to lean back and think deeply. Is that all that I am? Is that the only thing I am? No. But by seeing the entire package, seeing the autopsy and the beauty queen, you realize, wait a minute, I was just assuming I'm this, I'm that, I'm so sweet, I'm beautiful, my face is this. See the whole package and then lean back and think. And then say, I must be something more. See? Again, the moment you said, I must be something more, there was an expansion, see? And by this process of prayer, mantra, meditation, you, you find more and more and more, see? You, your life becomes a, a, a perennial um, adventure, an adventure. There's no dullness to the depth of what you are, see? There's no dullness at all. So this is, this is what, what we're trying, trying to do, and it's all real, it's all practical, it's all doable. It's just what level of uh, time and attention do you want to devote to it? You know, how much do you really want to, uh, to know what you are? See? You might be comfortable in what you, who you think you are. If you're comfortable, fine. Live your life. No problem. But when you start to have that angst, of what I am, what am I, what am I really? Then you enter into yoga, and then you start to talk to yogis, see, to find out what you really are. Is my friend really gone? You know, they can help you. That's why they have this thing, the pearl, <laughs> in, the, in the midst of the ash. The pearl, no matter what you do, this cup and this ash don't affect that pearl. <laughs> That pearl is beautiful now, and that pearl is beautiful forever. The ash has no effect, the vessel has no effect, see? So, analyze when you have a, a real friend, what was the friendship? What was the friendship? Was it a faux friend or a real friend, see? Faux friend, temporal. It might give you position, you know, it might give you some emotional support, but was it real? Was it was it uplifting? <clears throat> you see? Was it truly joyous? See? Get some real friends. If you can get like three real friends, consider yourself way wealthy. <laughs> way wealthy. <laughs> you know? As opposed to your ten thousand faux friends. Faux friends are not gonna be there, you know, pulling you out of the car. <laughs> When you wrecked, you know, when you wrecked your vehicle, they're saying, "Oh, the fire's too hot. I'm not going in." Your real friend won't think about the fire. He's going in to pull you out. That's your real friend. 
See? You're one out of three, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that, that's what you learn. Uh, like with my Guruji, Sadhguru, Sankei Shavadas, you know, there's no way to describe such a, such a soul. I mean, if you can say, okay, what was it like to live with Jesus Christ? What was it like to live with uh, Lord Buddha or Lord Krishna? You know, that's actually really true. It, it's that wonderful. It's that exceptional. It's that over the top. And sometimes you think, oh, these great masters, you know, they're like a very dry bisque. Oh, man, so serious. It's fun. It's so much fun. There's as much laughter as there is silence. You know? You eat with them, you walk with them, you talk with them, you drink with them. Tea. <laughs> you know, you know. Is there time for a deep neonic study and intellectualization? Is there time? Yeah, there's time for that. But is there equally as much laughter? Oh, absolutely. Is there equally as much just telling stories? Absolutely. Fun, you know, adventurous stories? Absolutely. That's the real relationship. I, I, I'm really interested in trying to to give people an understanding of inside the real world of yoga, not sort of the, the packaged vision of yoga, which is highly uninformed, truly uninformed, but the, the, the real, what's going on on the real side, what the, what the real relationships are, you know. And the, there really isn't a sense of, of time. You know, you can, you can be with an other yogist you know, three, four years, studying and working, and then they're gone for 10 years, and then you see them. You don't feel like 10 years have gone by at all. You don't feel like that at all. You, you feel like, I just saw them the other day. The, the relationship doesn't, doesn't splay at all because of the lack of immediate association. It, it doesn't. It, it doesn't. And, and from birth to birth, you see your old friend showing up again. You know, you don't say anything, but in your heart, you go, yes! You know, you have that feeling of, yes, they're back, you know. <laughs> so you, you just, why do some, sometimes you just have a fast friend? You know, two seconds and you're friends. How did that happen? <laughs> How did that happen? It's past association. Past associations, see? They had things to do, you had things to do, but now, common again. Same time, same place again. See? So... This is the kind of thing that you have to understand that this whole yoga and, and, and friendship and dharmic friendship, um, we're, we're, we're always emphasizing the hidden joy that's in each person's heart, you know, the hidden beauty that's in each person's heart. And it becomes a, a life of celebration that you're celebrating them and you're trying to do whatever you can to, to help them whatever their gift of beauty is, to help them put it out into the world, put it out into the world, see? Then it has meaning. The friendship has meaning. And it, the meaning doesn't go away, you know? It's like, what symphony are you working on now? Great! <laughs> you know? <laughs> you really feel like that. You know, you're not looking at the skin color or the hair color or the race or the group. You don't care. You don't care at all. There's a wonderful joy in that person's heart, 
and you're now present with it again. So, you know, the party starts again. Yeah. Any other questions or, or thoughts about this stuff? Yeah. So don't think this like guru disciple kind of thing is like, oh, it's far away. And Do, are you reverential? You know, a lot of times my guruji would, was getting up and, you know, I'd put my hand out to help him up or whatever. I'd immediately kiss his hand. I, I wasn't kissing his hand out of like, oh, reverential. It's just, it was a burst from my heart. That was all, you know? It, it, it wasn't like what people think, oh, I'm going to kiss the ring of the great master. That's such a bunch of nonsense, you know? It was, you know, I'm lifting him up, but all of a sudden, this burst from the heart, and you kiss his hand. That's how it was. And it, it was just an act of joy. Just an act of joy. And, and, and to know that you're in the presence of, like with a master or a great saint, you're, you're in the presence of a miracle. A miracle is happening right in front of you. You're standing with a miracle. And, and you start to become aware of that. You know, that you're actually standing with something unveiled from God. See? That's a miracle. You know? It's a miracle. My Guruji, like I could bring you to my master. And we could sit down in front of him. And he'd look at you. And he'd close his eyes for maybe 10 seconds. From that 10 seconds on, he knew everything about you. Everything about you. You know, you could, whether you were 3 years old, or 10 years old, or 20 years old, he could tell you any day in your life, not only what you were doing, who you were with, what you were feeling, what you were thinking, and he could even quote you. Remember when you said, da -da 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 -da? remember when you wrote this letter to your mother, and he'd quote the entire letter, having never met her before. <laughs> that gets your attention. <laughs> you know? But with this loving, innocent, joyfulness, like, yes, continuing on, we're continuing on. We're opening up, opening up. See? See? So that's the kind of relationship. The, the, these masters and saints or a little bit like the sky, where they're giving you fresh air, they're allowing beautiful light to come onto you. Now, if you got angry and spit into the sky, does the sky hold it? Not at all. Was the sky insulted by it? Not at all. Was it injured by it? Not at all. That's what the saints are like. No matter what you did, you could be like a bad behaving child. They still embrace you. They still give you the light. They still give you the air. They still give you the space. That's what they're like to live with, you know? And just all of a sudden, over time, all this light, space, air, you know, you start feeling, hey, they love me no matter what. <laughs> you know, I was acting badly before, and they still loved me. They still gave me the light. They still gave me the air. They still gave me the space. Hey, you start to feel a little emotionally comfortable. And then you, all this acting out, you cool it out because you realize it's not necessary. <laughs> it's not necessary. You know, I'm already making myself uncomfortable. If I just allow myself to experience this light and this, this space, this peace, I feel pretty good. See? So they, they create an environment where you can start to experience what's deeper inside of you. And they take offense to nothing. See? They have no enemies. And they're a friend to all. See? 
that's that's what it's really like. I'm telling you from my own personal experience. That's what it's really like being with them. It's like being with your mega best friend, not your best friend, your mega best friend. <laughs> <laughs> you know, heaven has assigned them to your case. <laughs> they have definitely got your portfolio. <laughs> so that's that's what it's like. And for all of us, we have to just to, to come to a point where we we come to the idea of um, what, would, what would it be like to be a universal friend? What would it be like to, to have that experiment, to be a friend to all? <clears throat> See? That doesn't mean everyone is nice. It doesn't mean that at all. What, what we're talking about is what, how we're coming at the world. We're not talking about how the world is behaving. See? But how we respond to the world. See? See? What we're seeing in the world. What action we're taking in the world. See, like Lord Rama, you see him traveling through with his brother in the forest, and he has this bow. All of that's one thought, one heart, one action. That's Lord Rama. One thought, one heart, one action. You know? His, that arrow went wherever Lord Rama wanted it and did exactly whatever he wanted it to do. See? That action was uniform with his heart and his psyche. So that's what we're trying to trying to do, where we're we're trying to concentrate on the the pearl of kindness, the pearl of creativity, you know, the the, the, the pearl of sanctity in each person. And that's where we put our, our psychic focus and say, I'm gonna be a friend to them. So I'm just gonna do what's in the best interest, regardless of how they're acting out. See? You know, it's like, so, in a mental hospital, does a, does, does a psychiatrist go bad person? No. He realizes there's a disturbance. But he understands beneath that disturbance is a human being. is something wonderful. And if he's a deeper mind, something of God. See? So, regardless of their present psychic condition, you, you know hidden in there, somewhere, is that pearl. And that's what we want to manifest. See? So you become a friend to all. See? And over time, you develop these dharmic relationships, which go on and on and on and on and on and on. You know? So, well, I see Sylvia and, and Susan and Fong and Victor and all these people again. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Can't get out of it. <laughs> you know? So, that's, that's how it is. It just becomes this expansive friendship, you know, an expansive joy, you know. And each person becomes like a, a thread of God, you know, a multicolored thread of God, each person, as per their own creativity, their own expression. So when you see the person, you say, oh, look what God is doing. Oh, look what God is doing. Oh, look what God is doing. See, becomes an infinite amount of rays of that, of that reality manifesting in its own creative way. Like each person is its own creative um, snowdrop in the snow petals, that they're completely unique. They're all their own unique pattern, but made up of the body of God. See? That's how human beings are. They're their own unique patterns, but made up from the body of God. See? Now, the, the only way to truly realize that, and to sort of get that into your bones, is by this practice of mantra, practice of prayer, and practice of meditation. 
because those are the practices that allow you to see what is, not what you're creating. See? Your creation is corruptible. What you think, what you feel is corruptible. It's coming and going. It's constantly re being reinformed and remodulated. But as you can become still inside and have a level platform of vision, then your, your experience becomes stable. See? But because you're thinking and from a volatile mind and a volatile heart, how can your experience be stable? Sometimes I like them, sometimes I don't. Because you, you're coming from an, a volatile platform. But if, if you get this uh, peace in your heart and deep vision, much stabler. So regardless how, how they're acting, you're one expression, one action, one thought. See, we all have to become like Lord Rama. <laughs> yeah. See? Any other thoughts, ideas, questions? Yes, please. Um, I don't know really how to say this, but I guess, how do we determine who those people are that we should be like deeply cultivating relationships with? So, like for example, I guess one would be like, how would like you choose someone that you would be like a really? Uh, I don't have much choice. <laughs> <laughs> how is that determined? That th those are two different questions, you know. Um, let's we'll take me. I have no choice. My my job is to serve God no matter what. I, 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 there's no there's there's not a centimeter either way for me. Um, I a guy like me is just a person who just does what he's told happily. By, by God. That's it. Uh, for a person who is entering the yoga uh, process, you have to look at yourself and say, what are the things that are really uplifting that you really value? That you really value. See? So you, a certain amount of self-analysis. So maybe you're a scientist, or maybe you're a medicine person, or maybe you're an actor, whatever. Whatever you value. And then you find other people who have that same positive value to associate with. So you have to start with the known first, what you know about yourself and what's truly valuable in yourself. And then you, you, you surround yourself in that type of community. But you don't stop there, see? But that's where you start. You start with what's uh, most intimate to you in terms of what's really, really positive, see? And you, it, you have to be, you have to think deeply. Let's say you're like a rock climber. So you want people who are physically fit and who love nature and who are involved in that rock climbing. So that would be your first community. But then look, then that's the first community. Then you look deeper and say, well, we're climbing these mountains. Let's learn to love and respect these mountains and maintain them. So then that becomes a larger community. That becomes the ecology community. Because you can't do your rock climbing unless those rocks are there. And if they're clear-cutting and, you know, destroying the mountains. So you start with your, your physical community and then your psychological community, that, looking deeper, see? And cultivate that so that your community grows and then grows and then grows. So, so that ecological community then will grow into... Who is, who is uh, bringing more and more humanity to the world? Because 
The reason someone could harm a mountain is because of their lack of humanity. See? So you say, okay, who is bringing greater humanity into the world? And then you start associating with that. See? You just <coughs> evolved another step. See? So that's how you slowly work it. But you, you have to work from what is important to you first. What is important and uplifting from, for you personally as an individual. And then slowly expand, slowly expand, slowly expand. Eventually you'll, you'll run right into yoga. See? So you'll go to the humanitarians at one point. And then what is the highest humanitarians? The saints are. See? So you'll run right into the, the divine. But you've got to start with what is practical to you. See? Is, 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 is that an answer? Um, this is something you told me a long time ago, and it just stuck with me, and I thought it might be helpful to share, but you have to help me know if it's relevant. You were saying that we all have lights within us. We're all lighthouses, yeah. and that a true friend is somebody who wears the glasses that can see your light. Yeah. And I was thinking... <laughs> How does that light enhance, but through meditation, prayer, and mantra? Yeah. You know, all those practices reveal what you really are. They, they simply bring out what's hidden, what's buried. See? See? There's the world of notions and the world of realities. And yoga wants to bring you to reality, not to notions. Notions are not substantiated. They're just ideas, but they're not... Uh, we haven't examined them fully to know, is it so? And a yogi wants to know what is so. See? So by doing these practices, you become much clearer. You, you, in the yogic practice, you're constantly redefining yourself based on your deeper insight. As your insight increases, your self-definition changes. See? And, and, your, and your awareness of what is so when you open your eyes. You know? So the average person has a real fear of death. That's the average person. But when you go deep into yoga, the, the idea of death becomes a joke. It becomes really a joke. You know, that everyone is afraid of something. They, they, they don't really realize that they are, they are permanent in existence. They're permanent. That's where we think we're volatile, just because things are changing, you know. But in deep meditation, you realize all of these various experiences come upon you when you're in yoga. Where you start to see the vastness and the power and the, the magnitude and the wonder of God's energies flowing. And then you, you, you start to slowly become aware that those are just the garments the garments of God, and you're the pearl of God. <laughs> See? So you, you start to realize how much heaven has invested in you and what you really are. See? And then, then this corpuscle body, it's, it's, it's just a stop along the way. You know, it's not the destination. What travels on and on and on is the pearl. But we change clothes, see? We change garments. You know, if, 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 your, if your existence is going to be an immortal, immortal existence, but you have to manifest from time to time, get this garment for this weather, and this garment for this weather, and this garment for this weather. But you are, you're the thread that holds all the garments together. 
See? And this is, this is what happens in meditation. It moves from, oh, a nice philosophy, a nice theory, to a living reality. The beauty of yoga is you can prove it to yourself. See? You, you can know for sure yourself. And that's why I use the, the, the uh, example, if an elephant steps on your foot, is there any maybe? There's no maybe if an elephant steps on your foot. It definitely stepped on your foot. 10,000 people, they didn't see the elephant step on your foot. If it stepped on your foot, you know. And you can say to all 10,000 people, I'm sorry, that elephant stepped on my foot, regardless of whether you saw it or not. That's the conviction that happens in yoga, where all these kind of mystical events happen within you. Now, the 10,000 people didn't see it, but you know. You know for a fact what happened. See? So that, that's, that's the beauty of this yoga. The, when people are saying, well, I think this or maybe that, they're not yet involved in yoga. They're not. With yoga, you know. Regardless of whether anybody else can put it, you know for yourself. See? That, that's how it is. And, and, and we, we want you to do all of these experiments so that you can speak with conviction. You know, regardless of what people think. Regardless of what state of, of evolution science is in, you know for yourself for sure. See? For sure. And that's why once you're into these practices, tremendous conviction is there. There's no wobbliness. No wobbliness at all. You know. You've done the experiments. You've seen the results. That's it. It's now a settled issue for you. Until you do the experiments, it's not settled. You know, it's a hopeful maybe. Is there God? You know, are there angels? You know, it's a hopeful maybe. In the deep practice of, of meditation and prayer and all these things, it's definite. It's definite. So when you're reading the scriptures and you see all these wonderful mystical events happening in the scriptures, often people re read that stuff as sort of, oh, it's metaphoric, you know, you know oh, it's symbolic. And they don't realize these are real events. These are real living events. Did someone fly through the air? Did Jesus walk on the water? Did he you know, fill, feed the multitude from the baskets? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. He was applying a higher science. That's all. Absolutely. It's, it's not mythological. You know? It's definite. It's definite. Does it have symbolic references and inferences? Yeah. But it, did it, was it a living, real event? Absolutely. You learn that from deep practice of yoga. See? What was mythological, you see the reality of. You, you, yoga will teach you the science of how that can be, how that phenomena can occur. See? And, and the beauty of, of yoga is as you get deeper into it and, and truly vest yourself in that, that process, that heaven doesn't want to be a mystery. Are there angels? You know, are there all these different beings? This becomes self-validating, not self-hallucination, but these events will happen in your life. That's, that's a fact. That's not a maybe. It's a fact. You know, so that you can say, yes, there are yogis. Yes, there are gods. Yes, there are angels. Why? Because you met them. Because they manifest right in front of you. See, that's, it becomes a fact. See? Heaven doesn't want to stay hidden as a mystery. It, it, it will, if you prepare the table, the guests will come. <laughs> that's the thing. So by doing your prayer, doing your, you're, you're preparing your heart and mind to receive a particular type of guest. You know, if the Pope is coming to your house, don't you think he'd clean it up a little bit? 
<laughs> it, it's that simple. You know, if you want the devatas and these glorious beings to, to manifest, don't you think you do a little bit of house cleaning? You know, welcome, welcome your guests appropriately? That's all you're doing. When you sit in meditation, you're just cleaning your heart, you're cleaning your mind, you see? And then what appropriate will manifest? So if that hasn't happened yet, it just means a little more house cleaning to do. <laughs> a little more cleaning, that's all. You know? You know, you put the bird feeder out, the birds come. <laughs> Same thing. Exactly, it's, 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 it's that simple. Do a little bit of cleaning, you'll be surprised at the type of guests that show up. You start to meet the yogis, you start to meet the saints, and as you get quieter and deeper, the great mystical forms will start to manifest in your life. That's a fact. It's not a maybe. I'm telling you as a fact. You, th you should think that either Hari Charm is a pleasant nutcase <laughs> or is absolutely telling the truth. You should, you should don't equivocate. Either I'm a pleasant nutcase or I'm absolutely telling you the truth. See? And the thing is that the yogi will challenge you. Say, try these practices and see what happens. It's all about persistent experimentation. Persistent, quiet looking. Creating a lab in which... A, a lab is a, is a controlled environment. So what do you think you're doing when the teacher gives you a bunch of, a, of, of, of things to do when you're practicing meditation? He's creating a psychic lab that's not polluted by every thought and every feeling and every sensation so that you can see something in an isolated, clear way. That's what all they're doing. You know, you're a lab. You know, but, you know, if you're like the, the local garbage dump where everything is poured, <laughs> it's not a great place to do an experiment in, mm -hmm. you know. You, you, wanna, you, want, you want a condition where you can see clearly without the process being infected by outside agents, see. So they say, be still, be silent, see, and see what happens, see what happens. You just have to have the persistence to, 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 to run the experiment. If the experiment is supposed to last six months and you give it a couple of days, you know, don't be surprised when you don't get the results. <laughs> well, this, the, the teacher says, do this, and then do this, and then do this, and you do some of this, a little of that, and man, that didn't sound so important. Did you run the experiment? No, you didn't. So I go into these Dharma halls and I see all these people sitting. I've been sitting 10 years, I've been sitting 15 years, and I'm like laughing inside. I think it's a bunch of nonsense. They're not doing the experiments. You know, they, they may have learned to sit up straight, but their minds are all over the place. They, they, they're not following the instructions. You know, at this point, they're saying, well, I look pretty good, and maybe Susie will notice me, you know? <laughs> That's what's going on a lot. That's what's going on. Then, then they're not doing their experiments in an honest way. They're sort of more enjoying the social community and sort of the this, I'm, I'm sort of the new wave. I'm doing this. I'm looking nice, and, but they're not doing the deep, deep experiments. They're not saying, "Well, what did Jesus see in the world? Why was Moses so motivated? What did what did Krishna put into the world?" They're not asking those fundamental questions. See, they're there for lesser reasons, not bad. But you have to see it as it is. It's a lesser reason. If you want to see through the eyes of a Jesus or a Saint Francis or a Buddha or a Moses, then you take it very, very, very seriously. Not in a morbid way, but in a serious way. Just like a scientist is, is, has both joy and seriousness. 
seriousness to do this experiment correctly and the joy of discovery. That's a yogi. That's a yogi. Do your experiment really seriously and enjoy the process of discovery. That's our business. See? So anyway, good things will happen. For, for everybody, everybody will meet saints. It's a question of when. Everybody will do some level of self-discovery. It's a question of when. Everyone will, will beat the notion of death. It's going to happen. It's just a question of when, see? When you get tired of notions as opposed to discovering reality, see? The yogi is on a Marco Polo journey of self-discovery. And that's really what it's like. It's like a Marco Polo journey. It's wildly fun, wildly interesting, wildly challenging. But it's no joke. You know, Marco Polo could have fallen off a cliff at any time. You know, it's no joke. If you go to the Himalayas, a lot of times you're walking along these little tiny paths and sometimes the road is falling away and it's like a gazillion miles down and you better hold on to the walls. Yoga is that. You know, sometimes pretty tricky, pretty difficult. But there's a lot of other times where you have this vista. You go, you go wow. <clears throat> and there's no doubt of God when you look at these vistas of what's going on. See? So, make the journey. You know, prioritize. Become a friend to all, you know. Be like a Gandhi or a Saint Francis. You know, enjoy enjoy that. That's what Saint Francis said: brother, son, sister, moon. He was he was in relationship with nature. You know, that's why the wolf laid down and sat with him, as opposed to having him for lunch. See, they were brothers. <laughs> they were friends. This is possible. This is what this is what yoga yoga puts out. Uh, <coughs> Uh, for all of us. And then it's a process of getting next to the yogis and, and learning uh, what the practices are. And get next to real yogis so that they can tell you the inside of it, not just some guy who's read a bunch of books and done a little bit of sitting. No. Get next to the guys who have had real deep experience and, and are getting some of the, the dividends of their practice. So they can tell you the inside of the deal, you know. And a real yogi doesn't want anything from them. They don't want anything from you. What can you give them that God hasn't? See, they're getting they're getting the substance of their joy from the kingdom, you know. But they're willing to have that universal friendship, that unlimited friendship, and they do it for the glory of God. They don't. It's not for you. It sounds doesn't sound that nice, but the friendship is for the glory of God. And for your glory of God, see, for you to experience the glory of God, see, they, they want you to have the same joy that they have. That's what they want. The party gets bigger, <laughs> see. They want everyone to celebrate, see. They want everyone to experience wholeness. That's what they want. They don't want sickness. They don't want the poverty. They don't want disease. They want wholeness. They want healing. They want you to have the same joys and the same revelation that they have. That, that's, that's the real deal. That's the real deal. And there is a science to that. There is a method to that. See? And the only way you learn that method is by coming, associating with yogis. Associate with people who have done it. You know? I'm not going to try to count, climb Mount Everest without really good Sherpas. You know, really good guys who can train me on how to make it and make it alive. You know, I'm not interested in breaking my head on the mountain. I want to make it to the top.
it's there. It's there. So many things that people would call miracles. I was seeing from, from boyhood. You know, that's what got me interested. Because I was thinking, how is this possible? You know, it didn't make any sense. You know, I was very scientific. I said, none of this makes any sense. How are they doing that stuff? But when you find those types of people who are doing something significant and running some really interesting experience, make a determination. I am going to be their friend. You know, I, I think the only thing special about me is when I saw something wonderful, I determined I'm going to be your friend, grabbed one, didn't let go. That's it. Tenacious. You know, I determined I am going to be that person's friend. That was it. You know, regardless of how they responded to me, I didn't care. You know, like my first teacher, very, he, he could be really tough. He was fiery, you know, which is not that pleasant. But he was doing, his heart was huge. He was doing great things, you know, wonderful things. So that's all I paid attention to. That's all. I paid attention to that and said, you know, I'm going to be a friend no matter what. And I learned a ton of stuff. And then from that, you, you, you end up meeting this yogi and this mystic. And eventually you meet this saint and you meet this guru. But it's because you see something wonderful and not asking anything of it, but you determine to be a friend. So you, you, de you determine to be in relationship with that, you know, joyously, openly. And just concentrate on the rose, not the thorn, <laughs> you see. And uh, you expand, you learn, you know. And you slowly enter this broader and broader community. That's what happens. You enter a deeper and deeper community. First, there's like all these physical people you see, but then the community gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So it goes through all the aspects of nature, and then the subtle forces, you start to become aware of all of that. All of a sudden, you start to realize, holy mackerel, look at all the stuff that's going on that I had no idea. But it's because you've purified. Your eyes have become clearer. So all of a sudden, you start to see more and more and more what God is doing. See, But it's because you focused. You focus and say, I'm going to be a friend. See? And that, that door of friendship leads you your own unique and wonderful journey to more and more stuff. And the more you're serious about it, meaning you pay the price of admission, you know, how hard did you have to work to get your university's degrees? See? So think about how hard you have to work to have the revelations of God. Not revelation, but revelations. There's many, many, many before the Supreme. So why don't you learn, why don't, instead of trying to become a god, why don't you try to become an angel first? <laughs> you know, become an angel amongst men, see, amongst the human condition. And then you can become a god later. <laughs> you know, get some clear vision and see what, that, what that's all about. But again, friendship, universal friendship. I'll be your friend to all, I'll be your friend to all. That means even the unpleasant person you pray for. Because that unpleasant person, they're mentally ill. That's all. Just realize they're mentally ill right now. Who hasn't been mentally ill? So who hasn't had anger? During that anger, you were mentally ill. Okay? So maybe it only lasted a half hour. And that person's six years. You know? But it's just mental illness. That's what it is. See it for what it is. It's mental illness. So pray for their welfare. The moment you prayed for their welfare, you're a friend. You're not asking anything. You just want the person to be happy, whole, healed. See? That's, that's what we try to do. You know, have people happy, whole, and healed. <laughs>